Um, if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Um, we are in our series that we've just called Jesus, uh, King and Servant, where we're going through the book of Mark, and we are kind of just reading about the life of Jesus. We're, we're seeing, like, who Jesus was, like, what did he do when he was here on earth, why did he do it, and then what do we do in response? And so that's kind of the whole point of this whole series that we are in. And so if you've been with us, like, at all in the last couple of weeks or so, um, pretty much here's the whole summary of what's happened so far. Very first sentence, we find out that Jesus is God, right? He is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh, and he came to the earth. And when he was on earth, he's going from town to town. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's doing all of this incredible stuff. And if we were to be really honest for even, like, not just tonight, but just over this series, we should be asking ourselves a couple questions. The first question is, why does any of this matter? So what? Right? Like, why, why should you believe what I'm telling you about who Jesus is? Like, why not only should, should you believe that, but like in so far we've read in the story is that Jesus told these people, hey, come follow me. And they left everything. They left their job. They left their family. They left their entire life behind for the sake of following Jesus. And so why should you do that? I texted a couple students, and I even asked a couple leaders to text their students as well, and just asking, hey, like, what's the biggest thing stressing you out right now? And uh, a couple of the leaders, they sent me back some of the responses. It was all anonymous. I don't know what's going on. Um, but, like, the things that are stressing out right now is school, right? Tests, picking classes for next semester, um, deciding whether or not you're going to graduate in, you know, at semester or not. Like, there's things like that. There's friendship stuff. Um, I saw stuff where it's like, man, you know what? Like this following Jesus thing is a little bit different. So I'm like losing friends, but then now I'm like gaining more friends, which is kind of nice, but it's just kind of weird because I don't really know what to do. Like there's all of these things that are just stressing us out. And so I get to then come up here and just be like, yeah, but like Jesus is great. And the question that all of us should be asking is like, really, like why, so what? Why is like God being amazing impact school being stressed? And so, like, uh, that just kind of got me thinking. It's like, like how, how are we supposed to take what God's word says and have that really change our life when we're stressed out about things? Um, and so then I was thinking, like, okay, so if this book was written about 2,000 years ago, how would the initial person who was reading this take this? You know, they're farmers or, you know, goat herders or, you know, whatever, whatever they did. You know, they had lives too, and they were stressed about other stuff, like taxes and all these crazy things. But they were reading this when, at the time, if you were like, hey, I'm a Christian, you could get thrown in prison or even be killed for it. You know, like, that's the person who was originally reading this. That's what's going on in their mind. And so I'm, I'm not saying that to, like, diminish the stress that you have going on in your life. So I'm, don't, don't hear me there. But I'm positive that at this time, they would have been asking the same questions. Like, if anything, like, they're like, why should I follow Jesus if that's going to get me killed or, or thrown in prison? And so then we should be asking, why should I follow Jesus? Why should I give him everything if school's still stressing me out? If, like, friendships are hard? If whatever fill-in-the-blank thing that's stressing you out right now, why should you follow Jesus? And so uh, I, in the December, we had this message where we were kind of talking about the book of Job. And 
in that same message, I kind of shared, hey, like, I'm not telling you to just forget about all your problems. Just be like, hey, your problems aren't, they aren't real. You know, they don't exist. They're, they're, they're super small. Just forget about it. Like, that wasn't what we shared back then, and that's not what I'm going to share right now. Like, I'm not going to tell you, hey, your problems are just small. Get over it. I'm telling you, like, your problems, whatever you're stressed out right now is super real. But what I want you to think of, though, is that, like, as big as your problems are, like, God's bigger than that. Like, Jesus is bigger than whatever you got going on. And that's actually the big idea for tonight is this, that Jesus is greater than your greatest problem. And they even begged me to ask, like, what's the whole point of a big idea? Like, why do I do that? And because there's, there's no reason, there's no way on earth that anyone could memorize all the stuff that we talk about in this sermon, right? Like, there's no way you can remember all the points, all the verses, even if you take the best notes. You're not going to, no one can remember that. I don't even remember it. I'm the one that, that preached it. But the whole point of a big idea is like, hey, but what can I get you to remember? If you can remember this one sentence, if you can remember, hey, no matter what you're stressed about, no matter what your problem is, what, no matter what you're going through, just know that God's bigger than that, then that's the goal. Because either everyone in here is either stressed right now or going to be stressed eventually, right? Let's say you're like, man, I'm actually, life's pretty good right now. I'm having fun. Give it a couple minutes, you know? Wait till final. I, I, I like, life is stressful. It is. And so my thing is like, hey, if all you remember is that no matter what, God is bigger than your biggest problem, that's the win. And so we're going to actually see this um, here in Mark chapter 4. Um, we're going to start in verse 35, and it's a really uh, popular story in the Bible. Um, but this passage is actually set in kind of all, it's the end of chapter 4 and all of chapter 5 is kind of, uh, God showing off, saying like, hey, Jesus really is God, and here's the proof. Um, all of chapter 5, there's these three like really cool miracles that he does, um, just again, just to prove that he is God, but it starts with this story. And so in, in the story, like Jesus is going from town to town, he's getting in crowds, he's healing people, he's doing amazing stuff, and he's, he's on a boat, and he's teaching the people that are on land, but it's been a long day. He is exhausted from healing people and from teaching. And so verse 35 is where we're going to start. And this is what it says. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across the other side, to the other side. And leaving the crowds, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he, talking about Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion couple things one if you're not familiar with like boats and stuff the stern is the back and second thing i think this is saying that naps are biblical but we're gonna move on past that but so jesus is in the back of the boat he's asleep on a pillow and then they woke him up and they said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing and he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there's a great calm and he said to them why are you so afraid have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, um, it's actually extremely beneficial on my side whenever um, the passage already has three points kind of laid out. It's awesome. And uh, not like it's, you know, super biblical to have three points, but uh, I don't know. Um, but the three points is that if you read the story, there are three times that there's this word um, used it's the word great and in the actual like i, I, I looked it up 
um, that that Greek word is the word like mega. It's the word that's like this huge, crazy thing. And so we're going to look at the three different greats that are in this story. And the first one, point number one, is a great storm. A great storm. It says that there's this great storm, that a great windstorm that came in, and the waves were breaking into the boat, and the boat was already filled. And this storm was apparently so bad, it terrified fishermen who were on that boat every single day of their life. Like, th- these aren't just people that are like, oh my gosh, it's raining, and we're in a boat, like, this is terrifying. No, like, they were literally fishermen, so they were on this same boat, in the same sea, all the time. But this storm was so bad, it was a mega storm. You, you know, uh, in translation, it can almost be translated as hurricane or, like, tsunami. Like, that is the kind of storm that they're going through. It's a very, very, very real storm that if nothing was going to happen, they were actually going to die. Like, that is literally what is going on. It's a very, very, very real storm. And that's kind of like the first thing I want to talk about is that, like, whatever you're stressing out about right now, whatever you uh, are just, like, the thing that's miserable in your life, if there is one right now, regardless of what your friends say or what anyone else says, like, that, that thing that's stressing you out is extremely real. I don't want to ever, like, tell you just get over it. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal. No, like, if that is the thing that you're going through, with fill in the blank, whatever it is, it literally is a very real storm. You are going through something that, if nothing happens, could suck. And so, these disciples, the, the followers of Jesus, they're going through a very, very, very real storm. And what is their response? They call out to Jesus and they say, God, where are you? Do you even care about us? That's literally said, like, Jesus, don't you even care? Now, I want to ask you this. Like, what does your, like, prayer life look like right now? Like, have you ever thought about how crazy it is that, like, these people, these disciples who literally said, Jesus, they're like, Jesus, do you even care? Do you ever, like, wonder, like, if you're praying the right way? Like, because, so we get to still talk to God today, and it's through prayer. And so I feel like, personally, I've grown up, especially if you grew up in church and you play all the games and things like that, we feel like we have to pray in, like, King James Version. We have to say, like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and all, all, all those things like that. Like, and it's like, we're, we're praying to God, and we don't even, like, you, like, I, I know I use the phrase, like, Heavenly Father when I get ready to pray. I don't call nobody Father. Call my dad dad. And so, but then like there's all these like weird things like that. It's like, why do I use, like, why do I pray like that? And I feel like I have to do it in a, a strict kind of formula kind of way where I'm supposed to like praise God first and be like, hey God, thank you for all these things. And then it's like, you're just waiting until like, but God, can you do this? And like, we feel like there's a right and wrong way to pray, especially when it comes to us being stressed. Like, have you ever like prayed the prayers to be like, Okay, but I know I'm supposed to, to say, like, no matter what, like, your will be done because I, I know I'm supposed to pray that. Instead of just being, like, actually genuine and authentic with God and be like, God, <laughs> what the heck? Where are you? Do you even care? Because these disciples literally told Jesus to his face, like, do you even care about us? Um, one of the greatest books of the Bible when it comes to just prayers is the book of Psalms. Um, and psalms are a bunch of songs, but most of them are really just like these songs or the, also these prayers. And so they would sing these to God. And, and there's all these different genres of psalms. You know, so the book of Psalms has 150 chapters. And each of them are uh, each a unique song. And 
they would all be used for different reasons. You know, there's different categories or different genres where they'd be like, hey, like this psalm is like to help remember all the amazing things that God did in the past. And so we're going to sing this to help us remember all the cool things that God's done. Um, other psalms are like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to praise God. Like on, on our way to go to the temple, we're going to praise God this way. And then there's like, a, there's just a bunch of genres. Does anyone know, like if you grew up in church, you might know this and stuff, but like anyone know what the number one common type of psalm is? Yes. It's a I mean, we would, but the number one type of psalm in the Bible is called a lament psalm. Now, this word lament, we don't really use it a lot. I like it, but it's, we don't, it's not common. It's L-A-M-E-N-T. And the word lament is literally where we get the word like the book of lamentations. It's a book of crying out in agony almost. It's, it's crying out, be like, God, what the heck? Everything sucks. I'm all alone. My friends have abandoned me. My enemies are making fun of me. Like, I feel like, like, that is lamenting. And the number one kind of psalm in your Bible the most common types of psalm in your Bible are lament psalms, where David or whoever the author is at that time, whenever they're writing it, is just being like, God, where are you? So when we're praying, we're talking to God, and, and we're being like, hey, I'm in a storm. Like, hey, I'm stressed out. Like, hey, like, life sucks. Don't cover it up by using all the right words. Like, God, I promise you, is not intimidated by your authenticity. Like, God isn't, like, he knows all the, the, the mass that you're putting up to cover up all the other like stuff. Like be genuine with God. I promise you, he's not, he's not scared of you. We get to be real and genuine and authentic to God, especially when we're hurting, especially when we're hurting. And so we get to pray to God. We get to be honest with him. But I need you to notice that there is a difference between being honest like the disciples and what I'm going to ask you to do. And what I think the Bible's telling us, because there is a difference between being like, God, you suck, and God, I feel like I'm all alone. There's a difference. There is a difference in that. And so we're going to talk about the other one later, but here is what I'm asking you right now that I'd love for all of us to kind of think through, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this more in our small groups. The first question is this, what's that thing in your life right now? that is causing you to ask God, do you even care? If you don't have a thing right now, praise God. Like if you're not just under attack by life and, and everything, that's awesome. But if there is something like, what is that thing that's like just stressing you out and it's maybe causing you to doubt like whether or not God is good? The second question is this, do you think God cares? Like really? Like really, really, do you really think that the number one thing that's stressing you out, you think God cares about? But this is to the other side of the room where maybe you're not struggling, you're doing good, life's great, you have all the friends, school's doing awesome. Here's my question. If you're not struggling right now, who can you help or serve or love that is struggling right now? Like if you're doing good, like awesome, go help someone who isn't. Who, who can you do that for? All right, so the disciples, they are in a real danger. Um, like, quite literally, they are about to die if nothing else happens. And the only way out of this um, would be 
if God intervenes and, and messes up what's, what's happening with the storm. And so the, the point number two, the second great that we see in the story is there is a great calm, a great calm. We see this in verse 39 and 40. So uh, verse 39, it says, and he, talking about Jesus, he awoke, he rebuked the wind, and he said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Mega storm, now a mega calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still And so, what did Jesus do? Wakes up from his nap. You know, I almost kind of want to imagine, like, he's, like, doing, like, one of those things. He's, like, waddling and stuff to get outside because, again, he's, he's, you know, knocked out. And he goes out, and he's just, like, the, the best translation for, like, these two phrases of peace, be still, is kind of, like, shut up and stay shut up. The peace part is being, like, be quiet, be still, and stay quiet. That's the, that's the actual translation of what's going on here. And so Jesus is saying, you need to stop. He's not talking to people. He's talking to a storm. And what does this say about God? Is that God, Jesus, literally has the authority over all of creation. He can look at a storm. He can be like, stop and stay stopped. Like that is who Jesus is. Like Jesus literally is God and has the power over all of creation. Now, again, like I said, like we're in the middle of like, or at, we're at the right beginning of four different incredible things that Jesus is doing. So at the end of chapter four, God, uh, he stops the storm. And then in chapter five, Jesus uh, removes a legion of demons and a legion is like over 5,000 demons from one person. Right after that, he heals this lady that had this horrible disease for 12 years. And then she, uh, Jesus also raises someone from the dead. So this is right smack in the beginning of being like, hey, Jesus is literally God and he has power over disaster, over demons, over disease, and over death. Like, just in case the point wasn't made that Jesus literally is God, here's all these examples that are in one group. And so Jesus has, Jesus is literally the king over all of creation, supernatural or physical, emotional, mental, like Jesus has the power over everything like jesus literally is greater than your greatest problem because he was the one who's literally the ruler over everything now yes there's the whole sin conversation and we can we can talk about like why do bad things happen so jesus is not the one like sending all these storms all these all these great like i'm not talking about that but what i am saying though is there is not a single thing in this world that jesus can't say stop and so boom here we go like he calms the storm he turns to his guys and he asked them, where is their faith? Again, we're in chapter four. So like the first couple of chapters, we've already seen Jesus heal people. He's already casted out demons. He's already doing these awesome things. And yet they still doubt. But notice what they doubt. They ask Jesus, do you care? Do you not care that we're about to die? And this is what reveals what the disciples were going through. They, they weren't worried really about whether or not Jesus was God. They actually worry like whether or not Jesus really loved them. That's what he's asking. He's saying, hey, do you care? Do you actually love me? And believe it or not, this is actually one of the key roots of most sin is believing whether or not Jesus actually cares about us. Like, so in the Garden of Eden, so this is very like second page of the Bible, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden and then they get tempted and what does Satan do? He says, hey, like, God didn't really say that. And Eve, she doubts 
is God holding something back from me? That, that's what she's thinking. That's what she's debating. That's what she's doubting. She's doubting whether or not God would keep something good from her. And that is what led her to sin. And guys, like, like think about this. Like, if you've ever been tempted to do something inappropriate with somebody, you are doubting whether or not God really loves you. Because you're like, man, if God loves me, why wouldn't he let me do this? If it feels good, if I have fun while I'm doing it, like, why wouldn't God want me to do that? The question that spurs that on is not, man, should I do this or should I not? It's really, does God want me to not have fun in this? Like, can I really trust God that he actually cares about me? But then the other part is, too, is like whenever we sin, it's like we just kind of assume that God doesn't care because if he did, then why, why we still got problems? If God does have the power over all the storms and over all the things that are stressing me out, then why hasn't he stopped it yet? Right? Now, that, that can be an awesome conversation we talk about later. Uh, of, you know, like, why has God stopped some things but not other things? And the, the point of this story is not why God does certain things when he doesn't. Like, that's just not the point of the story. So I'm not going to read into it what it doesn't say. But what I am saying, though, is that God does have the power to do it. I don't know why God hasn't calmed whatever thing is going on in your life. Like, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. And I'm not going to lie and tell you. And your small group leader doesn't know either. Heads up. Now, real talk, if we were to be really honest, there's a lot of things that we're stressed out about that are all far, our fault. If you're like, man, I'm really stressed because I have a paper due tomorrow. When did you start it? A couple hours ago. Like, okay, calm down. You're stressed out because you messed up. And there's other things like, man, my friends are really like abandoning me and I feel like all alone. Okay, that stress isn't your fault. So there's all these different stresses, whether they are fault or not. But what I am saying is God cares about it and he wants you to talk to him about it. And he has the power. Like Jesus is God and he has the power to do whatever he wants because he is God. So two questions. First question is this. Do you think God cares? I already asked this, but it's, it's, a, it's the most important question I can ask you. Do you actually think God cares about all the things going on in your life? Do you think God cares? And the second question is this. Do you believe that he has the power over everything? Do you believe that he, he is God and he created everything and he has the power to stop the storms and power to, to cast the demons out and has the power to heal diseases and has the power to raise people from the dead? Like, do you believe he can do that? Because notice this, if he has the power, like, let's say this is true. Let's say this is true. Let's say he has the power to calm the storm. He has the power to, to do all these crazy things. How should we respond? And this is the point number three, third and last is this. What, what did the disciples do? They were filled with a great fear. They were filled with a great fear. So it says there was this mega or this great windstorm this hurricane-sized storm, and then it says that there is a great calm, and then it finishes, it says in Mark 4:41, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And this is kind of the whole point of this passage. The whole point of this passage is not about us, but it is meant for us to read it and ask ourselves those same questions. God, do you care? And who is this guy 
this guy has the power to calm storms, has, like literal storms. Not just talking about like the, the, the whatever we're stressed out about, like actual storms. He has the power to raise people from the dead. He has the power to cast demons. He has the power to heal people like in a way that no one else can. Like, who is this guy? And how they responded, it says that they were filled with great fear. Now, if we were to be as most faithful as we possibly can to the Bible, we should ask the question, what does fear mean? Right? Like, what, is, what, what are they really talking about? And there's two different ways that you can, you can or technically three, that you can read this. You can read the fear as being, like, afraid. Like, they were terrified of God. Oh, my gosh. You can calm a storm. Please don't destroy me. The second way that you can read fear is, oh, it's, it's like a respect. It's a reverence. Like, oh, wow, like this, this person's like a king, so I'm going to like view this person as like the king. That's the other way. It's, it's a reverence. Or I can look it up, look up the definition of what they actually meant. And this word is actually a combination of both. The, the word here, here in the Greek is the word phobos. It's where we get uh, like phobias of stuff. And so there is an implied meaning that is talking about like being terrified and being in like full respect and be like, oh my word. It's like how you would feel if you were literally in front of a king. It would be like, wow, you have the power to do everything. And so I'm just going to stand kind of with like my jaw dropped just be like, you're insane. Like, like you, like not in a bad way, but like you're have all of the power. And so when it says that they were filled with fear, that is what they were talking about. And this then goes into what we're talking about tonight for us is like with you know who God really is, that He has the power to do all these things. How should you respond? I feel like most of us are in the room right now. Jesus is a side hobby. He's the thing to do on Sunday night or Sunday mornings, Wednesday night, because that's just either that's the house you grew up in or, or just whatever. And so if someone was to ask you like, hey, are you a Christian? It's like, sure. Sure. But how many people have a fear of God? Have a fear of God in, in both sense of what this word actually means. Like you're terrified that holy crap, this this guy, God, could wipe me off the face of the earth, and he's done it before. And also, standing in awe of the king and being like, you're kind of amazing. That is what it means to have the fear of God. And that is what I'm asking you to do right now. It's being like, hey, if you know who Jesus is, we should have a fear of him. So there's this, uh, this imagery that, uh, I can't remember what book it was in, I'm sorry, but Imagine if through those back doors right there, a 2,000-pound, li like, lion came walking through the door. I'm talking straight up from the zoo, Simba, full-grown, like, king of the jungle, 2,000-pound lion, and he's hungry. Who would be afraid of him? All of us. We would, the answer is all of us would be afraid. Who wouldn't be afraid of him? The answer is that lions kick. The cubs don't have to fear the, the, the most powerful creature in, in the forest. That's their dad. The dad's going to do everything to protect the kids. 
And that is, that's the part that we have to think through here. It's like, hey, if you're God's kid, you have nothing to be afraid of from God. As in, like, he's not going to unjustly or unfairly just beat you up because he has the power to do it. Like, God's not a bully. However, if you're not his kid, we should be afraid of him. Genuinely, we should. And, and, and that's the part where, like, I, one of these days, one of these days, you're going to graduate and you're going to go do your thing. You're going to conquer the world. And, and I really can't wait for you guys to do that. Like, to go literally be, to do your thing and how God's made you. But if there's anything that I can, I can share with you is we have to fear God. Whether you're his kid or not. Like, if you're not his kid, you should be absolutely terrified. You've rebelled against the creator of the universe. And even if you are his kid, if you are a Christian, like, you should be like, holy crap. Like, you have all that power. And how did Jesus respond? Look at this, because this is how we get to know the heart of God. What did Jesus do? He didn't ask them, you're an idiot, disciples. Like, where's your faith? Like, that's not how Jesus responded. He said, man, after all we've been through, he's not pointing a finger down. He's just kind of really just being like, man, it's okay. Here's a learning opportunity. And that is the incredible thing about our God. But let, let's finish with this. If you are a believer, you, you, have, you are following Jesus, you are a Christian, you've surrendered everything to God. We should be, like, we should have the fear of God in the sense that this isn't a game. Like, we should want to follow him. We should take this stuff seriously. We should want to be like, man, like, whatever you want is all yours. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not, in all sense of the word, you have total right to be terrified of him. You should. But this is the wildest thing, is that Jesus came to the earth not to terrify people, but to tell, but literally to tell them, like, hey, let me share with you the good news. While you should be terrified of me, instead of me destroying the rebels, which we all are, like all of us have sinned against God, you can either keep rebelling or you can be like, God, I give up. Will you please forgive the rebel, the sinner like me? And Jesus promises that whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And if you haven't done that, like you can do that tonight. And if you are a believer, like what does this mean for us to, to be in total awe that Jesus really is the creator God of everything? And lastly, like if you know that someone's stressed, someone's going through something, go help them. Go love them well. Go ask them, how can you serve them? How can you love them? Like, Let's be good friends. Let's go be good followers of Jesus. We can do that by loving other people. Okay? Let me pray that we would. Heavenly Father, God, I just, I pray first that if there's anyone here that, that doesn't know you, they don't know you as their spiritual father. They, 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 they won't call you dad. They, they've never surrendered their life to you. They're not your kid. God, I ask that you would kind of just stir in their heart whatever, whatever you need to do, whatever you want. God, I pray you would, you would do whatever it takes to open their eyes for them to see how powerful you are.
God, like you are not some weak savior. You're not just some side hobby on a Wednesday night. But God, you are the king of everything. And there's not a single problem in any of our lives that's too big for you. So God, if there's someone here that doesn't know you like that, I pray tonight would be the night that they would surrender everything. But God, I pray for all the believers in here too, that we would have a newfound sense of how powerful you are. And so we wouldn't be afraid to share with you the things that are stressing us out. You already know about them. God, I pray that we would be genuine with you in our prayers. I pray that we'd be proactive in, in loving and serving the people who are hurting. God, I just pray that we would just, just take this whole thing seriously. God, I pray that above all, you would get all of the glory for everything. I pray that we would get the joy and I pray that the world, the people that we serve, would get the good. We ask this and we pray this in Jesus' name.